Morning all. Okay, it's a double act today. And um, Jack and I really enjoyed putting this together um, for Pilgrimage 17. And we've tried to reduce it. So we're going <laughs> to... We're, uh, it's going to be a bit of a train journey today, um, at high speed at, at some, some moments. Um, yeah. Should we go? Yeah. Uh, so we thought we could start it off um, with a bit of a scenario just to get our minds warmed up. So these are a few characters that we just invented. Could be anyone. Uh, so let's go. <laughs> so John has been struggling financially in the recent months, but has still been able to budget to just scrape through. John has also been asking God for financial blessings. It's also the start of the school term, and John has been told by his wife and his three sons uh, that he needs needs to be, um, they need to have new school shoes, something that hasn't been planned for in the budget. That weekend, John takes his three sons to the shops and miraculously finds all three pairs of shoes in one store. Huzzah. At the checkout, the cashier makes a mistake and only charges for two pairs of shoes instead of three. John notices this, but does not challenge the cashier on the basis that he sees this as a financial blessing from God and even an opportunity to give more to the Sunday offering. <laughs> so the question here is, was John Wright not challenged the cashier, and why? So take just a few seconds, just to talk to the person next to you, just to unpack if you agree if that he, he shouldn't have um, questioned the cashier, or if he actually should have challenged. Right, so a very quick show of hands. Who agrees that John should not have challenged the cashier? Just a quick show of hands. So you should, he, he was okay for what he'd done. Okay, just a few sparse hands. Okay, how about he should have challenged the cashier? Okay, that's kind of going one way. So we were, we were asked to look at this topic of integrity, and we realised it's, a, it's a quite a well-worn track, in a way. Um, but we hope today that we can pull out a few gems, a few ways of applying what we believe God is teaching us about integrity uh, into our real-life situation. And, of course, uh, complete disclaimers for that last scenario of anyone that you know, seems to appear to be that person. Uh, it's completely fictitious, um, apparently. Um, <laughs> so, integrity. I don't know if you saw the this, this strap line, uh, perhaps at the beginning. Um, it said more than just the truth, wasn't it? And just sort of hold that about it, because we've even had a word today, haven't we, about, about the truth. But well, when we look at the topic of, of integrity, the topic of integrity, we believe there's something more than truth there. So what, what we've done is uh, we've looked at a couple of instances in the Bible. We've got one or two film clips as well to appear, but we've had to cut a few out. Um, but there, there, there will be one or two uh, to try and highlight some of the points we want to make. The first story we thought we'd look at is David and Saul. And um, this story is from 1 Samuel, chapter 24. And in a moment, we're going to see a short clip. Um, But just to give it a bit of context, um, this is the time when David and Saul uh, are in conflict. And Saul... Um, it is, is, seems absolutely determined to, to get David, really, and, and to kill him. And uh, Saul is fighting. There's lots of battles going on. He's pursuing the Philistines. And he's told uh, that David 
is in the desert of En Gedi. And chapter 24 says, So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. I had to read it like that because I thought it sounded like Scotland. But um, the crags of the wild goats. I don't know if Avril knows that place or not. But. Um, so that's the scene. Um, Saul seems to be you know, looking, looking for David. Just a bit prior to this, um, Saul's son Jonathan in the chapter before had said to David, don't be afraid, my father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You shall be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. So David had, had received a promise uh, from Jonathan uh, about perhaps his future. Was that a prophetic word for him or was it just wishful thinking? But that's the scenario. Perhaps we can watch the clip. Um, there's a little disclaimer, another one. Yes. Um, there, <laughs> this is a, a clip of a YouTube brilliant series called Superbook. Um, but there are a few characters who aren't technically in the Bible. I mean, quite hard to spot. Um, also, just a, a heads up, there will be a few green flashes. Um, we couldn't correct that because from the source, um, it was like that. So um, just be wary that there will be occasional green flashes at points. David, Saul's coming up the mountain. Please go. David, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand to do with as you wish. Yes, as I wish. Take the men further into the caves, as deep as you can go. No matter what happens, do not come out until I call for you. You are David. Oh, this is going to be good. What's David going to do? What he should have done a long time ago. Get even with Saul. Yeah, make him pay. I bet it'll be a huge ambush. Saul will never see it coming. Is anyone in here? Saul's robe. That's it? That's how he's getting back at Saul by ruining his outfits? Come on! Captain, I do not understand. Saul was helpless. You could have... No, I could not. 
The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king and attack the Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him. But he must pay for what he's done to you. Saul is the anointed of the Lord. None of you may rise up against him. My lord the king! David? Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you, and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been trying to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me, but I will never harm you. Hmm. One of the things in that situation um, was the pressure from David's men. And when we were looking at this story, you know, they, in, in some ways, David's men were reminding David of the word of the Lord as they saw it, almost, almost like quoting scripture at him. Not quite the same, but Jonathan had made a promise in the chapter before, and they were sort of reminding him that, you know, that this is, must be God's opportunity. But even in, in the face of that, when we were looking at that story, David himself had such a sense of conviction in himself that he was able to withstand perhaps the wrong advice, as he saw it, the wrong advice of his friends. Reminds us a bit of the story of Job and Job's friends as well who were giving him all sorts of advice and almost quoting scripture at him. So in, in a challenge, in a, in a difficult situation, a place where we have to think about the promises that we've made and the decisions that we're going to take, who are, who are we listening to? I think another key point was the fact that they weren't just strangers. They were people that he knew, people who would have um, encouraged him, he would have encouraged them. It was a, a relationship in that. So actually, even though they brought that there, he could have very easily taken that upon himself, like, okay, that's, that's the, the action forward. But actually what he done was, okay, that's what they're saying. I'm now going to weigh that with God. And that's where he was rooted as a man of principle. He's saying, okay, you say this, that's a really good weight, but I'm also going to look at the weight of God in this situation and say, but you've said this. And actually say, okay, I'm going to stick to God's principles here and I'm going to stay according to what God wants. And that's where, you know, he was constantly stricken just to cut the rope. He was like, this kind of feels like it's going against what God wants because he says not to harm Saul and yet I'm going to cut a robe off and that was something that reached to us in the sense of he was so connected to what God wanted that he was so concentrated just from cutting a piece of robe off so that was the, that was the first story we looked at um, to do with integrity sticking to his principles even though when there was a, a situation that seemed to be a God-given situation. He had to listen to God. All right, so an encouragement to us in there. 
in, for us as well. The second story, we, we won't show the clip to this one, um, but it's to do with um, the fiery furnace. So this is the story to be found in Daniel. Not, to go, not going to go through it in great detail. But it's the story where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, are brought before the king, King, king Nebuchadnezzar, who would sent out a decree that um, everyone who hears the sound of, of the music at a certain point, they must fall down and worship the image of gold that the king had set up. Uh, and that whoever does not would be, would be thrown into uh, a blazing furnace. And it's reported to King Nebuchadnezzar that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are not doing this. So when the sound goes out of the music, they're not throwing themselves down, prostrating them. And so they're brought uh, before him. And in Daniel 3, chapter 3 and verse 16... Um, he confronts them and he says, why aren't you doing this? If you don't worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand, says the king. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And it was almost the second second part of that, that response that they made to the king. Whatever happens, we're not going to throw throw ourselves down and worship the statue. Why? Because we're people of principle. We know that it's wrong, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. And people of integrity stick to their principles, whatever the outcome might be. We're not saying that if we follow through with things that we believe in and and stick to, that things will all be rosy and positive for us. No, the Bible doesn't promise that. In fact, there seems to be more promises that when we stick to do the right thing, then we're going to end up suffering and being in more trouble than even if we'd gone the other way and joined in with a particular... In fact, so it's not the blessing. We're not, we're not following the principles in order to get a blessing. We're following the principles, following what God is saying, because we're following God, full stop. He may choose to bless us as a result, which is great, or we may end up burnt and frazzled but at the end of the day that's that's up to God what is ours to do in that situation is the key I think another key point is the fact that it was a heavily enforced principle to bow down to Nebuchadnezzar and it it just showed that there was a very great element of fear that could have taken hold of those guys a moment of where they're saying okay a king of this land is saying that if we don't do this we're pretty much just going to die and that's a point of where it could be very easy to go for the easy path and say, okay, you know what, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down. But they actually went, ah, I don't bow down to this king. And I think that's such an, an amazing point that stands out to me is this, this fact that society was saying, you need to go this way. And every day we sometimes face these, these problems of actually saying, okay, society tells us to do this. And it kind of gets at the back of the head and we're like, that, that doesn't feel like the way that God wants 
You know, I don't feel like I have to dress a certain way. I feel like I don't have to talk a certain way because that's not who God's called me to be. So now we're going to look at um, three uh, key elements of uh, integrity. I know this has been covered uh, several times. And these have been highlighted as uh, the main core features of integrity itself. So we've got the conscience, uh, confession, and confrontation. So conscience being that small voice inside your head that says, should you do that? Should you be doing that? Um, the confession, uh, you know, actually bringing things into light so that there's no um, hold that the, the enemy can have on us. So actually we can say, okay, I do have this fear, but can you share this with me? Confrontation, but encourage one another um, daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The very key point here that uh, we want to stress here is the encourage part. Um, confrontation can very easily be the thing of like pointing your wings and saying, you're wrong. Like, this is what's wrong with your life. Fix it. Cool. Um, but actually, the real um, relationship side of this is actually saying, look, there's this problem that I've seen. Let me come alongside you. Um, I know in a point in my life of where um, I was probably showing a lack of integrity, uh, and then James Ratnaraja, who's my mentor, said to me, he was like, look, I've, I've seen this. Let's work through this together. And that's the main side of what we want to come across here with the confrontation. It's not an, an accusation. It's not pointing the finger. It's saying, hey, let's go through this together. And that's where we can really help each other as a body, uh, as families, as, as brothers and sisters, to really progress further with God. So we wanted to take this from, from biblical story, look at those principles, and then apply them to a couple of situations, very real situations in our lives. So we've chosen three, lots more, but we chose, the first one is, is money. And we know that um, Jesus talked a lot about money and the use of money, people's attitudes to money. And it's something that is very real for each one of us. And it's perhaps at moments when we have to make some difficult decisions where, where is our integrity uh, in, the, in this subject of money? When it bites and becomes a wrestle. We, sort of, we thought of a couple of errors. We, talk about, we thought about tithing. We know the, the Bible teaches about tithing. In our heads, we can see that, yes, it's a good thing. But are there times when we, when we come to resent it? The times when we come to find it very hard to do and we're not willing to do it anymore. What's our heart saying? We thought about situations where perhaps those amongst us were self-employed. Well, are we tempted? We have to fill in our self-assessment forms, don't we, on, on, on a yearly basis. How do we do that? Do we do that with full integrity? Do we let God's spirit... Uh, you know, search our hearts, even in that very practical situation? Do we prefer to perhaps do some cash deals on the side? We thought about special offerings. Um, sometimes we might have been saving a long time for something, and then a special offering comes along, and we find ourselves in that, in that situation where we really need to talk to God. God, what would, what would you have me do in this situation? Are we even open to be asking God that question. We're not saying it's wrong at all to save, and it might be quite absolutely fine 
But God says, no, that's fine. You, you've been saving diligently for that. This or that that's, that's good. Keep it. But are we still at, at times open on that practical, saying to God, well, God, what do you want me to do with this sum of, sum of money that I have before me? And at the base of it all, it's about this willing heart. The Bible talks about many times about the people bringing their offering willingly, gladly, joyfully, cheerfully. Or do we find ourselves now becoming rather begrudging about paying our tithe, about paying an offering, about being generous to others? Because it shouldn't just be the 10% that we sometimes think about, is it? It's the 100%. Everything we have belongs to God. Are we prepared quite often to say, God, what have you got for me now in this situation? It's all yours. Uh, So the next area uh, we're going to be looking at is relationships. Um, So this uh, is going to be a a section that features uh, a few clips. Um, We're actually going to start off with a clip uh, just for you guys just to uh, look at and just to observe um, a certain character's um, integrity in the scene. Um, so be mindful of the fact that they could be positive integrity or maybe a lack of integrity. So just keep an eye of that uh, and then we'll play the clip and then uh, just get uh, a general view of what you guys would say if he is a person of integrity or someone who probably isn't. Just to say, it's quite quick as well. Yes. So... Uh... Pay attention. <laughs> Whoa! Hey! Did you do something to your hair? <laughs> it's a bit extreme, isn't it? No! I mean, that's... That's a thing nowadays, right? Well, he said it would accent my facial features. Well, that's what it does. It completely accents your facial features. <gasps> We're just gonna go down to my office now. Hey, <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> Fletcher. Hey, Pete! Losing a little weight? I don't know. Maybe. Looks and personality. Double threat guy! Hey, Mr. Reed. Hey, man. It's uh, Randy. Yeah, I know. Taking lunch uh, orders, Mr. Reed. Anything? No, thanks. Um, had so much for breakfast, I'm just about ready to pop. I mean, I'm full. Okay. Great. Well, it's my birthday tomorrow, and we're having a party and everything. Wow! I am sure that your daddy has got you something wonderful. Yeah? Yeah, you bet! (laughs) Listen, kiddo, why don't you go play in my office for a minute? Sue somebody for everything they got. Maybe you can send a fax to one of your girlfriends. Hey, sorry. Damn it! I completely forgot. Oh, what a surprise. You are a saint. I should buy you a gift. You did. I always do the classy thing. Any calls? The drawings clerk. He needs your filing. Tell him it's in the mail. Right. She'll do it next week. Mr. McKinley phone to confirm your meeting tomorrow. Strep throat. No, some kind of virus. What's going around? Asian flu. Good one. And your mother called. I'm on vacation. It's your fifth week. Snowed in. Phones are down. Break mother's heart. Done. No, that's it. Except Miranda's looking for you. Ah. How much ass do I have to kiss to make partner in this damn place? Tell her I broke my leg and I had to be shot. So, clearly a man of integrity. (laughs) Next! Um, (laughs) 
So who, just a very quick of hands, who thought there's a man filled with integrity? <laughs> Avril! <laughs> he was, in a way. He was, in a way, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> so, he was lying for convenience, you know, coming through, and it being a lot easier to just get rid of uh, the workload just by saying, oh, I'm ill, or I can't do that assignment because uh, I'm on holiday. I can't call my mum because I'm snowed in. There was a, a thing that actually, as a result, it can devalue someone. You know, that mother could really be worrying about him. You know, like he's been snowed in for this this time. What's what's going on? Like, has he got through to me? But actually, he's no, he's actually fine. And he's actually saying, uh, you know, you're not worth my time at the moment. Another thing is actually faulty praising people to seem nice, maybe to gain popularity. You know, uh, kind of covering uh, the truth of people saying, yeah, no, you, you look you look great. Um, when actually, uh, there could be a time of saying, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, uh, it became a lifestyle for his character. Uh, a moment of where, um, as he's starting to come up with excuses, um, saying, um, I'll do it next week, she said, okay, you'll do it um, like, like, next month. It became a thing of where the secretary knew what he was going to say before he actually finished what he was saying. And that was where you could see that the integrity had been bent around what he wanted um, for his convenience. Another way of actually forgetting his son's birthday. That could become a future of where his son actually identifies that dad doesn't really remember when my birthday is. And that can be a, a stumbling block within their relationship. Another thing is uh, false kindness to push for self-gain. Uh, the quote on the screen of how much I asked I have to kiss to make partner in this damn place. There's a thing of where he was kind of snuggling up to people saying, okay, I'm going to be really nice to you, I'm going to be really smiling, like, yeah, I'm your friend. Um, all for his self-gain, instead of actually coming alongside people and saying, hey, let's work through this thing together, let's actually do this. It all became about him. And again, identified as a niceness for popularity. So, if we were to look at that and we would say, okay, so if he's lying all the time and he's sort of um, not necessarily telling the truth, then the opposite of that would be to constantly be telling the truth, which we would probably identify as integrity. You know, someone who always says the truth and just doesn't really lie. So there is actually a clip now of that exact same scenario, but with him telling the very blunt truth. So enjoy. Again, it is very quick, um, so it would be worth to actually like, try and listen out for the small things that he says. It was me! Hi, Mr. Reed! Like the new dress? Whatever it takes to focus off your head! <laughs> What's up, Fletcher? Your cholesterol! Hey! Get me, Logan! Hey, Fletcher! Hey! You're not important enough to remember! What's it gonna be, Mr. Reed? A pockmark, eventually! Don't ask! For God's sakes, don't ask! So, maybe it's not just the truth. One of the things that, in the context of relationships, is that integrity is more than just truth. It can't be just about truth. It must be about truth and love. The greatest, the greatest is love. God is love. And if there is a lot of truth 
and there's no love, it's not good. There's a good quote there, isn't there? Truth without love is brutality. Yes, truth can be brutal. So I think when we looked at it, we looked at the context of integrity as much more than that, that element of truth. It's about the love as well. In the, uh, the top right-hand corner, um, that's a oil filter for an engine. Um, I like cars and engines. Um, I'm going off to study mechanical engineering. Uh, and I'll probably come across um, oil filters. But the role of an oil filter for the engine uh, is that it takes away any um, bad substances within the oil. So even though there's been a product uh, which has been sold as the really good oil um, for the engine, it's poured in. And when it's used, it still goes through this refinement process because even though the company says it needs this, the oil filter actually says, okay, there's still some bad things in there that will hurt the engine. And actually, even though it's saying that the pure thing, that is what is required, it still needs to go through a process of actually that filter that actually blesses the engine instead of actually damages in it. In the same way that the truth comes from a direct source, but comes through this filter of love, which then comes up to actually bless someone instead of to cut them down. To actually encourage someone instead of to discourage. The last area I just want to look at, we want to look at briefly, is that of work or school. And, you know, it may be that we've worked in the same place for a while or gone through school, might be coming to the end of our time in school. So we're well known. We know each other. What about this sort of scenario where you've worked somewhere for a while, sort of more friends and colleagues, but something recently happens. You, you see someone do something that appears wrong. How prepared are we to lose our friendship for righteousness' sake? It's when it's sort of the rubber hits the road, isn't it? We're not, how prepared are we to accommodate a situation that perhaps we're feeling the nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, hmm, making us feel uncomfortable, something in our spirit is unsettled. How prepared are we to do that? Sometimes that's really tough. Do we sometimes have a split personality? Behave differently with different friends in different contexts? Do we fit in, depending on the situation? It's a huge one is gossip. We talked about that before as a community. Work, school, social media, which I know nothing about happily. <laughs> but, you know, the gossip, the language, the, the, what is going on? You know, do we, are we part of it? Do we sometimes, are we prepared to step out of it, say, no more, I'm not prepared to be part of that? Okay, so next up we're going to show a clip. Uh, this is from a film called uh, Remember the Titans. Uh, and it's uh, a film that is set in America. It's uh, orientated around a, an American football team um, in a college, I believe, or a high school. Um, and this was just a bit of context. It's um, during the time of where segregation um, was no more, um, but there was still some conflicts within... Um, students, um, particularly the white people, not necessarily getting on with black people. Uh, and that is uh, taken to effect of um, the film. 
Uh, just a heads up, there are two scenes within this um, overall clip. One is on the practice field of where they're practicing as a team, uh, and the second one will be in the actual um, changing rooms. One uh, person to keep in mind is someone called Ray, um, and the captain of the team, whose name I have forgotten. Um, but they are the two main figureheads that we are going to be looking at very quickly in this clip. Haircut, you understand me? Let's <clears throat> play, fellas. What's on your mind, son? I want Ray off the team, coach. You know my policy, Gary. Yes, I do. And I respect it, but I know that Ray missed that block on purpose. Sometimes you just gotta cut a man loose. Hmm. Well, you're the captain. You make a decision, but you support your decision. Ray? You're out. What? I'm not going to let you play for this team anymore. Oh, yeah, Jerry Lewis? Going to go and tell Coach Coon what to do just like last time? But then that's right. He is your daddy now, isn't he? Who don't cut anybody? Remember, Gary? I had you cut, Ray. You willing to just throw away our friendship for them? You can keep on. Uh, just an explanation of um, a bit of that. Uh, in American football, uh, you have sort of the team is broken down into two sections, kind of like rugby with forwards and backs. Uh, and Ray's job was to protect the quarterback, and the quarterback is a very key role in American football. They are the ones that usually make decisions and do the very long passes. Um, so they're very key to the game. Uh, and Ray's job was to stop anyone from hurting uh, the quarterback, who was coincidentally black. Um, and he deliberately stopped um, no one and just, just kind of just stepped aside. Uh, and the quarterback was tackled. And that was identified by Gary, um, the captain. Uh, and Gary obviously says that this isn't what uh, should be in the team. So actually there, um, he was actually looking at the principles of the team that he had. You know, Gary had a vision for the team, the same way that we have visions for our workplaces. Um, he said, okay, I want acceptance. There's, all, there's been all this hate, there's been all this um, disputes I want a unity within this team because that's the only way we're going to work. And he looked at that and said that actually Ray isn't following that vision that I've got. He isn't following those principles that I've exposed to the team. Another part is that he was true to his own words. You know, he was given the opportunity by Ray to say, you can't let the coach do this. So very easily he could be like, oh, here's an exit tape. I can actually save my friendship and say, oh yeah, it was the coach's decision to get you off the team. But actually he said, no, I'm going to stand up for what I've said and I'm going to stand up and what, what I believe in and say, 
you know what? I, I had you cut. I spoke to the coach. I'm the one that said, you're off the team. And it's another moment of conscience confrontation, but then there's a rejection of confession. You know, um, Gary had a conscience. He, he was struck um, when he was playing. He saw that's not right. He said, Ray's not doing what I, I've had that laid out for the team. So actually then that confrontation of this is the problem. You know, we could try and do something about this. But Ray actually saying, it's not my fault. I've, I've done nothing wrong. And that's where there's the brokenness within that integrity because it doesn't all interlock because that confession is out of the, the system. It's not part of that, that team. Uh, which unfortunately meant that, that Ray was off the team. So just to sum up, speaking the truth with love. So important that love surrounds, is through, is all pervading in this con context of integrity. Staying true to the principles of God and those three C's, conscience, confession and confrontation.